As parents, you know, what we want for our kids is that they are healthy, they're happy, and they have meaningful lives. And though, you know, to a certain extent, our own education, our own experiences color the way um, we behave or the way we are parenting. So I think it is important to win parents over and to say, you know, the world that we grew up in is very different from today's world, right? And the pace of change, the pace of technological change is so fast that you can't just prepare people to pass exams and to get into university and then get a job. You know, that world is not going to be the same. Cast your mind back to when you were younger. How did you want to change the world? What skills and opportunities do you wish you had to succeed? And now, fast forward to today. Do you believe young people have these skills and opportunities? In Youth We Trust sits down with successful entrepreneurs, business leaders, educators and others from around the world. We spotlight how individuals and organisations are shaping a better world, directly or indirectly, for the coming generations through their focus on sustainability, equity, education and more to empower young people to create the future they deserve. And now, in Youth We Trust. In this episode, I talk to Joyce John. She is a recognized voice in entrepreneurship, education, and women's empowerment. Joyce talks pragmatically about how we can land on our feet when it comes to AI. But she also urges for urgent changes in education systems, but also parent mindsets in order to allow young people the freedom to build the skills they need to thrive in the future. Good morning, Joyce, and welcome to the podcast in Youth We Trust. Good morning, Prashant. Really excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's well, in quite literally, in this case, it's it's very it's a joy to have you here. Uh, <laughs> so, um, so let's get straight into it. If you're if you're ready, sure. Brilliant. Okay. So, if I take you back to your younger self, um, what would be that quest that you would have liked to be on? I think um, as a young person growing up in India, the quest that I would have loved to be on is how do you solve for poverty? How do you solve for high quality education? Because um, coming from a family where um, my parents couldn't afford to send me to university, where most of my education was on scholarships, I truly believed that education is what changes lives. So that, you know, I'm an example of that. Um, so as a young person, the quest that I would have loved to be on is how do we solve for that? How do we make sure that every young person has access to high quality education? Wow. And I mean, you know, I usually ask my guests, you know, why is that important? Now, um, as an entrepreneur who spent a fair amount of time in this space, I totally agree with you. You know, this is a topic of paramount importance. Um, and especially, you know, we'd like to believe that in countries like India, but actually having spent so long in different countries, it's just universal, isn't it? It is. Um, it is. And I think but, the, the gap yeah. is widening even further, right? If you think about the people who have access, they have access to technology, they have access to the best resources. And those who don't have access and with technology, that gap is even widening. Very true. Very true. I think especially tech, uh, the digital divide. Um, so, so I understand that this, you would have liked to be on that quest, but what is it that you would have brought 
to to that quest like what skill what experience yeah so um, growing up um, not having many resources or not being able to control much the thing that i um, was really good at was computer engineering and programming so what i would have loved to do is could we as in now it's already a reality right like you have one to one ai tutors uh, i think i would have loved to solve that problem as a young person how do we um build that and how do we make sure that everyone who can't afford a private tutor could still using a phone you know it's almost like going back in time but back then having access to um a way of affordable private tuition would have been a challenge i would have loved to solve and use my skills in software engineering to do that oh so you oh wow okay so the skill you would bring is software engineering how exemplary that would was, that be that was like a long time ago right it was uh, in the 90s so i guess the technology that we have now <laughs> didn't really exist back then that's okay but some, some technology did exist and that was relevant for the time so i think so the point is that you would bring in technical skills which is actually a skill that fr- you know frankly when i was growing up i had nil none whatsoever right so that would be a formidable skill to bring and uh, <clears throat> and and what skill do you think you would be missing at that point in order to affect that kind of change yeah so as a young person i think the skill that i would have been missing back then were the entrepreneurial skills because i always thought that you know you could learn technology you could learn art design those are things you could actively learn in school but entrepreneurial skills were something that you only learned once you had finished university you had set up a business whereas knowing what i know now i believe those are the skills that you can learn in university so i would have missed those skills as a young person so you would have you would have missed those entrepreneurial skills tell me a little bit more about like which part of india was this that that you grew up so i'm originally from kerala the first 4 years of my life were in kerala but um you know i spent the my primary and secondary education in kanpur which is in northern india in in uttar pradesh um so yeah so let's kind of uh, fast forward to today right now you've had the benefit of all the experience you've had over the last however many years so what is the greatest strength that you could lend to your younger self is it entrepreneurship or could it be other things i think the greatest strength that i can lend to my younger self would be entrepreneurship and building strategic partnerships um and i think that's something i'm really good at um because i can understand the needs of different stakeholders and you know think of creating value and creating solutions that work for all so so entrepreneurship is one strategic partnerships is quite an interesting one um which kind of seems to indicate that doing something impactful or large scale probably requires a lot of other people you can't just do it on your own so let's let's take a look at you know both of these i think the partnerships angle is a little bit harder when it, when we think about younger people but you know let's look at the entrepreneurial side of things um do you think that you know today's generation do you think they have the skills to be able to solve the problems that they have around them i think there are innate skills um but most of the time school or schooling 
and sort of kills those skills because you know you're not supposed to ask questions you're not supposed to do things that are not preparing you for the test um so i think even though people might have some underlying entrepreneurial skills the ability to spot problems the ability to work with others to come up with new ways of solving them i think the way young people are currently being taught those skills are not coming to the fore you know they're not using it um so i believe you know some of the people might have those skills which are dormant others might not have the skills and they're not getting the opportunity to build them you know i hear that and i truly believe in what you're saying but at the same time if i were to play a devil's advocate parents are not thinking about you know young people solving big problems or that the education system is not building these skills i you know is that a problem that parents connect with so how do we you know how do we solve that problem if one of the key stakeholders doesn't see the problem that's a really good question because uh, as parents you know what we want for our kids is that they are healthy they are happy and they have meaningful lives and the you know to a certain extent our own education our own experiences color the way um we behave or the way we are parenting so i think it is important to win parents over and to say you know the world that we grew up in is very different from today's world right and the pace of change the pace of technological change is so fast that you can't just prepare people to pass exams and to get into university and then get a job the, you know that world is not going to be the same so i think it's about helping parents understand the need to build these skills early on and using uh, both the time that kids spend in school but also outside of school uh, whether it's their summer holidays or after school camps or whatever time that uh, they are using in informal learning as well as formal learning um, hmm. parents are helping young people build those skills if i look at it today i find that frankly the biggest incentive for a parent is my child has a predictable future giving parents a feeling that they have their child is have has a more predictable future when they don't understand what the future is and they actually believe that whatever they are doing currently in either the education system or in general is enough you know if they do it well they get good grades and they get into a good university they are certain to get a good job and then by and large they are set how do you change that i guess you know it's very hard to have a predictable future i think that's the you know the only constant or only thing that we can be very sure of is change but in terms of what the future is going to look like i think it's going to be driven a lot by our actions but also on um you know the the things that are beyond our control as well so ideas or new ventures that not only you know solve a problem but employ a lot more people so i think the incentive would be rather than being at the mercy of somebody else to um figure out what job or what um sort of things that people should do i think it's building the skills and making sure that both young people and parents uh, understand the value of uh, these skills that are going to be in high demand whether that's entrepreneurial skills design thinking skills creativity critical thinking collaboration mm. you know the skills that our current education system um 
doesn't fully uh, build in young people. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I personally do believe that, you know, education systems and the education inst- institutions are doing their very best uh, to do the, to do, to prepare the child for the future. So rather than judging them, we need to kind of help them. And, and, and that's really where your, I go back to your point around entrepreneurship. I think that, you know, if you kind of sprout that entrepreneurial seed within an individual, then that person himself or herself starts to change. And it's not just incumbent upon the institution to build that. Now, let's let's come, come to your present, uh, not in just in terms of the skills, but also in terms of, uh, Joyce, you, so how are you uh, empowering or mentoring young people directly or indirectly in creating and in, in helping them create a better future for them? So um, directly, I mentor students through the Founders for School uh, network, which basically connects founders into schools where you can share your career journey and advice and help inspire young people to um, become entrepreneurs or you know, to work in technology and digital um, space. And indirectly, I'm working with um, young people through the work that I do as the education committee member at the Royal Society and uh, at Coventry University. So at the Royal Society, two specific programs that are looking at building skills uh, in young people. One is the Climate Action Award, which is um, a partnership with the Royal Society, the Royal Horticultural Society and National History Museum to help build um, skills in young people, specifically around solving the sustainability challenge and helping them realize that helping the nation, the planet thrive and also helps them thrive and using um, awards as a means of building these skills and showcasing the talent that young people have. Um, Secondly, it's about broadening education. So we are talking about a a vision for maths, computer science um, and data literacy skills um, in all young people up until the age of 18 so that, you know, people don't stop studying these subjects and they have the skills Mm -hmm. to apply both in their personal and professional lives. So those are some ways in which I'm working directly and indirectly with young people. Okay. And now you told me that the one skill that you would have brought to the table as a youngster would be the software or technology skills. So how are you applying them today? How are you bringing them to for today? So um, today, uh, you know, my skills have uh, changed dramatically. So now I think my skills are much more around um, business and entrepreneurship and thinking about how do we solve this challenge of um, building the right skills in people, not just young people, but also upskilling and reskilling. And how do we help people transition from um, jobs that are declining to jobs that are in high demand? I help my um, daughter um, in building some of uh, the digital skills or helping her with Scratch or playing with Raspberry Pi. So, you know, I think uh, now I'm using my digital skills or technical skills much more at home, helping inspire the next generation. Um, And at work, it's much more about strategic thinking, collaboration, entrepreneurship uh, and partnerships. How is technology being used there to empower these young people? Mm. I think um, a lot of it is just 
using uh, best practice guides and sharing information with schools um, so that mm. they can use that to help learners because teachers are extremely busy. They don't have the bandwidth um, to sort of create the content in the curriculum. So it's more like a dissemination of content and connecting up people. Um, I think technology could be used um, in more creative ways where we help young people build solutions to some of the challenges that uh, they see. And that's where technology can play a lot more important role, both in terms of solving the problem, but also building skills. Okay. And is it being used already? Or do you think that it's an idea that you are sharing here that it should be? I think we need to do more. Um, there is, of course, some level of technology that is being used, but we can definitely um, be using a lot more of it. A lot more of it. Yeah. And, and how do we address the other big, big problem of doing the skill development or empowerment equitably? Yeah, I think that's a topic that's very close to my heart in terms of how do we make sure that technology is um, helping close the digital divide rather than widening it? Uh, and how do we build equity uh, and inclusion in everything that we do? And that's where governments, businesses come in, uh, in terms of uh, helping people with um, opportunity to train and upskill, uh, having policies that help teachers build a skill, but also making sure that we are doing two things. One is using technology um, to improve the way education happens. So, you know, being able to personalize learning, being able to um, reduce the teacher's workload and make the, the lesson much more engaging and fun. And two, it's about how do we build those skills, um, digital skills, in young people. And that's the work that we're doing um, with companies, with government. Um, in fact, tomorrow I'm at the Transform Base event, which is bringing together stakeholders across business, government, uh, civil society, and education to specifically talk about frontier technologies, AI being one of them, but also quantum, um, 5G, cloud, um, blockchain and making sure that these frontier technologies are helping humanity and closing um, the digital divide and making sure that it's it, we're making the most of their advantages while minimizing the risks. Wow, that's really, really interesting. This episode is brought to you by Lumi.network. We're on a mission to help the next generation get ready to take on the world. Our AI augmented platform runs quests that help 10 to 25 year olds shape their future by developing AI, entrepreneurship and design thinking skills to solve the most pressing business and social issues. If you or your organization wants to positively impact the next generation, we'd love to talk to you. To learn more, visit lumi.network. What are the problems that you see that young people need to get involved with? Oh, there, there are so many uh, big challenges, and I think young people have an important voice. Um, everything from education to environment to health, you know, mental health problem uh, to uh, sustainability to um, better connectivity. Like this, I think as a young person, the experience that they have, they have a unique insight into their life and you know how they can make things better what do you think is the biggest thing that they should be involved in 
That's a really good question. Um, I think if you think about it, the, the biggest problem that the world is facing today is um, around environment and sustainability and around skills. So the transition to um, a green economy, but also the transition to a, a digital, like we are already in the digital world and millions of people don't have the skills or don't have the means um, to make the most of the opportunities that uh, technology offers. So I think getting young people involved in solving these problems around climate change, around um, education and employment opportunities would be um, a great way of helping them feel a sense of agency, but also feel that what they're learning is being applied in solving real life problems. Again, if I take a more dis you know distanced view, is it fair for us to expect to put the burden of solving these problems onto young people? Right? You, you and I both believe in that, but it's an important problem, right? It, could we end up putting more pressure on them that, hey, now, you know what? Not just get educated, not just grow up and have fun, but actually now spend all your time solving the problems we've created for you. I think um, it's, it's unfair to expect... Um young people to solve the problems that we've created i think we we are shortchanging uh, and in fact you know we the uh, the wonderful um, planet that we got we are basically just uh, making it worse and worse for future generations so i think it's not just saying here young people we've created a mess go clean up i think it's much more about working coll collaboratively across generations across sectors uh, and you know getting business researchers government different people with different skill sets um involved in solving these problems because i don't think any one group or any one individual or one institution can solve this problem yeah that's such an interesting point yeah and also we probably need that intergenerational collaboration and and awareness i think uh and also mutual respect uh which which is like Young people, this you will inherit these problems, but at the same time, you have observed enough so you can actually solve these problems or at least participate and have a voice in it. Um, that that reduces uh, some level of anxiety because you know I read a piece of uh, a very uh, uh, kind of bothersome statistic that seventy percent of under 18s were suffering from some some form of climate anxiety. Uh, in the UK. Great. Look, let's go into the future and, and go into one of your topics that's very close to your heart and also your mind. And, and, uh, and that's, that's AI. So what is your view on where are we going with this wonderful or horrible technology? I don't know which way to look at it. <laughs> I think uh, technology is just technology, right? It's not neither good nor bad. It's how we humans use it. In fact, we created it and um, we, we have uh, control or agency over it in terms of how we use it. I think uh, being a tech optimist, I believe that this technology can help make our lives easier. You know, already we are seeing improvements uh, in how we learn, how we work. You know, these are up until now, automation was basically just taking away the repetitive tasks or the low-end tasks that nobody wanted to do. And all of a sudden, like every sector, maybe except, um, you know, the teaching profession or 
um, the physical labor or the care profession, like you know those things that a generative AI can't yet do. Most other professions, from lawyers to doctors to um, engineers, they're seeing how AI is able to do some tasks, not everything that they do, but some tasks much faster, more efficiently. So I think it can be a force for good. It can make people's lives easier. It can free up time. It can reduce the workload. But it also will lead to some displacement. You know, millions of jobs will be displaced or, and new jobs will be created. There'll be an opportunity for, you know, prompt engineers or content creators that are using these tools in an innovative way. So I think in summary, AI is neither good or bad. It's a powerful tool. And if used well, it can make our lives easier. It can solve some of the big challenges that we have. Uh, I think it's about making sure that A, we have the skills to use it and B, that it you know, some of the concerns around it, around privacy, around um, bias, um, misinformation, security, these are resolved. Um, and thirdly, it's about having better representation. Like if these algorithms are written by a white male sitting in certain uh, areas uh, that are highly privileged and vast majority of people don't even have a say in how these technologies are built or how they're used, then we have a problem. How do we prepare the young people for it? I think that's the important question that we're all um, working on or you know, talking about in terms of two things need to happen. One, the education system needs to start building these skills um, and use the opportunity within classrooms to get young people to use these skills and build solutions using that. Um, we can embed computing and AI across different subjects, everything from learning geography or history. Like you can use AI, gen AI in these areas to help young people be more confident in both using these skills and using these tools, but also helping build some of the advanced skills around solving uh, these problems. And that's where, you know, thinking about not just within schools, but also outside of schools, because I think it's a lifelong journey. It's not just yeah. about what happens when schools, it's also about what happens um, in the workplace, what happens beyond schools. So I think we need to work in a way that we are helping the education system, but also helping the workforce and helping employers um, build these skills um, in young people as well as in those who are currently in the workforce. Yeah, well, um, I completely understand and agree. Uh, look, I, I think the other aspect is is uh, there's a very, very strong ethical angle around these technologies, far more. And... Uh, you know, we actually wrote a white paper about this uh, some time back that, you know, AI is like, you know, I don't know how many times bigger than social media, which then came and then caught, you know, a number of us, particularly parents off guard. I completely agree with you that, you know, we need to make sure that we are introducing this technology in a very sensible, proactive way. And, 
so that we don't end up with a, an even bigger problem um, in the future. Do you see the ethical element of AI being already addressed with young people anywhere? No, I think that's an area that um, schools, colleges, uh, universities are working on. There's a group that was recently formed called um, by Sir Anthony Selden, bringing together educators and school leaders um, looking at AI and education, sharing best practice for at London Business School. Some of the professors are asking students to use generative AI to address the challenge, but then do a critique and understand the pros and cons of it. So I think the way we've been asking kids to write essays um, with Gen AI, you know, it doesn't really make sense to keep doing the same thing as if generative AI doesn't really exist. So a lot more help, support and guidance is needed to make sure that A, we are building the skills uh, of critical thinking um, and problem solving, but also using generative AI in areas where it can help. Um, and I think the, the second thing is around making sure that there are consistent policies and ethical guidelines around when it's cheating, when it's plagiarism, and what sort of things students and teachers can and cannot do with this technology. Let me take you super far into the future. You know, what is your craziest prediction about AI? Oh, the craziest prediction about AI is that um, we live in a world where human beings are, are using AI and their skills are augmented by AI. So rather than being afraid of AI, Everyone has access to AI, just like most people now have access to the internet and access to information is at your fingertips. I think AI will be available for use for everyone and it'll improve people's productivity um, and their ability to solve problems at a much faster pace. Great. Thank you. I'm very encouraged, actually, by the number of things that you're doing personally in these areas, particularly AI and also education. Uh, it, it has been a real joy and privilege to have you, Joycey. Thank you so much for being with, with me on this podcast. Thanks a lot, Prashant. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you found this conversation valuable, please leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you have a story or someone you know does, please recommend them to us by email at hello at We'll see you next time on in youth we trust.